let me just go ahead and preach this message today, and, and I'll talk about it because we are talking about going forward <clears throat> uh, in 2021, and this is the word of God to Moses, and this is the word of God to me. Would you make this statement with me? Everybody shout it. Tell the people to go forward. Say it. Say it at one line. Tell the people to go forward. Tell the people to go forward. Say it. Tell the people to go forward. So that's, you say, well, how do we do that? It's all uncertain. Okay, I haven't got all of that figured out. Anyone else with me on that? I haven't. In fact, one of the things that I have learned is during this last year in 2020 is that you just got to keep listening. Does that make sense? You got you to gotta keep adjusting because the Lord is doing a new thing. And you say, no, I like the way I did it before. Surprise. Sometimes the Lord will afford you an opportunity to do a new thing when you weren't even planning on doing anything different. So uh, that's what I want us to do. I want us to do a new thing. I want us to get ready for something new. And the Lord is telling us all, it's time to go forward. I, again, I've mentioned what all is going on in the world. And uh, when you look at the future and what's next, here's a question. Where would you like to be right now? Where would you like to be in your life? What would you like to accomplish I mean, at one time you might have had some other thoughts, but after this year, you think, you know what, what would, what would I like to do? And sometimes you can hear the Lord whispering things to do, practically things to do. Uh, but when I say that, because of certain situations, sometimes we feel as though that we are locked and hidden away. I would do some things if it were a possibility to do those things, but I just can't. Right now, is it acceptable for God's people to be stuck or hidden away because times are difficult? Is it acceptable for those of us who are believers, for those of us who have received his spirit in our life, for those of us who have calling on our life to just stop, to just quit as the church? Is it acceptable for us to say, well, you know, there's a pandemic going on. We can't do anything for the kingdom of God. And I want to challenge you regarding that. You know, where do you believe God wants you to be in life, in ministry, in your family? Yes, the Leadership Summit is tonight, and we want to address and help you with that. But still, as the church, for the church at large, I'm feeling this in my heart. I'm ready for that making a comeback kind of a time, for possessing God's best, for like the, 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 the prayer of Jabez. I'm ready to enlarge my tent pegs. I'm ready to multiply the harvest, to enlarge the kingdom of God. Anybody on my team? Anybody there? That's what I see. And you say, no, pastor, don't you get in a hurry. Don't, don't you move too fast. Move too fast? This is the time for the, such things as this. Yes. I, at the same time, today is January 31st. I love January 31st because I know I'm getting close to out of winter time. All right. Now, somebody was telling me I love this snow and uh, God bless you. All right. 
God bless you. I grew up in it. I've had enough snow all my life. I've shoveled more snow than some of you have seen in your life. Growing up in Ohio, you will do that. Shoveled it. You know, some people say, have you ever built a snowman? I built a snow community. I built snow dogs. I built snow families. I grew up with there was snow. Can I get some northerners who know what I'm talking about? Okay. So I, I know about this and I've seen it and that it's, you know, sprinkling a little bit of rain this week. Just seems like God turning on the shower just to wash it all away. But January 31st is more than that to me because uh, January 31st is also a time for me where I miss certain individuals. I miss my mother who 18 years ago uh, died on January the 31st. I miss one of the dearest men, you know, that we've had here, uh, an elder of the church, trustee of the church, who was the one who 31 years ago invited me uh, to be the senior pastor. In fact, he caught me downstairs and said, Pastor? He said, no, he didn't call me Pastor. Rick, you think you'd, you'd be willing to pastor this church? Because the pastor was leaving. And I thought, well, I need to pray about this, but... Yeah, you know, I guess, you know, and Holy Spirit already stirred some things up in my heart. But he died on January 31st. And then another dear friend uh, of mine, a former uh, pastor when this church was birthed, uh, he was the second pastor. He and his wife pastored for a significant amount of time, a guy named Paul Yore, a pastor and mentor, January 31st. So come January 31st, I'm just glad everybody's alive in the room right now. You know, it's just good to see y'all. But uh, that sort of thing... Kind of, anybody ever have dates in your mind? I, I don't ever think when th this day comes along, I don't ever miss that. I remember those particular moments uh, that, that happened. And, and, you know, sometimes for, for us, when we have days like that, it perpetuates fear or perpetuates struggle. But, you know, doesn't everybody have a little struggle and fear going on in their life? And what do you expect after that? I remember when my mother passed away. Uh, right after she died, I was in the room with her. I'm going to get a little emotional now, so you, you just stop, stop it. Okay, so when I, I, she was there, and I, she passed, and I was right there, and I just laid my body over her body and began to pray. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, and, I, and then I, as I, I, I thank God, I said, Mama, you're just going home. And then I said, and I'm coming. I'll be there soon. I'll be there after you. And I'm going to bring as many people as I possibly can. Amen. And I feel that covenant in my own heart. I'm not satisfied with not seeing people come to Jesus. And again, in our minds and in our hearts, some of us would say, well, pastor, you know there's a pandemic going on. Do you know that the Reformation began after the bubonic plague? As the plague was finishing, and it wasn't over yet. That's when we hear names like Martin Luther rise up and say, no, we're not going to sit around. We're not, we're not just going to. Look, look, I am an individual who believes this is a really good time for the church of the Lord Jesus to rise up. People realize they're vulnerable. We were vulnerable before. We didn't need COVID to show us. Amen. I mean, the bigger list that I have 
to pray for individuals that have other sickness, but not just that. Individuals that are struggling in their homes, in their marriages, in their life, in their spirit, they have anxiety and issues of fear in their life. And you know, what do we do? I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me. But at the same time, as we see the culture saying, not now, and I hear people in turmoil, I say to you, these are the times when God's people should say, it's time for us to rise up. Right after a plague, right after a war, people realize that the answer is God and the church should rise up. I want to talk to you from that thought today when the only way is forward. I mean, does anybody want to go back to last April? No. Anybody want to go back? No, not interested. Have you ever been in a place where you thought, wow, maybe I should retreat? God's people are not good at retreating. It's not our nature because we are servants of God, almighty God. I'm tossing the scripture up to you in 1 Samuel 14 and 6. Read this with me. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Come on, read that out loud. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I love quotes. I really do. But I also love the context of quotes. And the spiritual context of this quote is amazing. It's all in God's word and uh, in, in, in 1 Samuel, all around this chapter 14, 13, all of that. But the backstory is Saul was not a good king. <laughs> he just wasn't. He, he just, you know, he was tall. He was good looking, kind of like me. And, okay, why are you laughing right now? I got one amen over here in the corner, but hers is the only one that matters, really, okay? That's right. This coming June, we will have been married 40 years. So, bam, I'm still tall and good looking to the one person that matters. But tall, but Paul, excuse me, Paul, tall. Saul literally was tall. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. But, I mean, within a few short years after he became king, the people needed a man to look at. They needed somebody. And it wasn't God's plan for them necessarily to have a king. They wanted a king, and they chose this guy because he was tall, looked like a warrior, but his heart was not good. And, and Saul rebelled. Uh, the prophet Samuel had given him instruction because this was a theocracy. And that meant that they were listening to God and his word for what steps they were supposed to take. And, and Samuel said, you're getting ready to go to battle, but don't go to battle until I get there and I offer sacrifice And Saul said, we ain't got time to wait on Samuel. I'll take care of that business myself. He was disobedient. And so when Samuel showed up, he told Saul, your kingdom is not going to continue because the Lord has found somebody that's after his own heart. So it's whether or not we're after the Lord's heart. How many know who that individual was? That was King David. So so still there was a battle that needed to be fought and the disobedience of Saul left his army in fear because the leader was in fear. The army became in fear and they ran and there were only 600 that were left and everybody else was hiding. The Bible says they were hiding in caves. They were hiding in thickets. They were finding any place to hide to get away from the Philistines. 
Now, the Philistines had come in to Israel, and they had, uh, they had taken all of the swords. They had removed all of their weapons. They had also removed the blacksmiths. There were no blacksmiths in order to make swords for the people. There were only two swords that were left. Saul had a sword, and his son, Jonathan, had a sword. So we have one young warrior, Jonathan, and the scripture tells us that Jonathan was an obedient and he was a faithful man and he believed in God. Now he was hiding with everyone else, but he couldn't stand to hide anymore. Now he also had somebody that hung out with him. He was called his armor bearer. A young man that served him, that carried his shield, that fought with him in battle. And though he may not have had a sword, he had a shield. Now, he might have had a shovel. He might have had a pitchfork because that's all that Israel was using at this time for weapons. But his son, Jonathan, his armor bearer, were hiding. He wasn't with his dad, the king, Saul. And this is a quote from Jonathan. He says to his young armor bearer, Why are we hiding here in this cave? Why are we hiding? I have a sword. There is an encampment of the Philistines just before us in a place called Michmash. What do you say we climb up this cliff? Just the two of us. Let's climb up the cliff to where they are. And then he said this. Because nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. In other words, he's saying God and the two of us are a majority against the enemy. We're still doing this. We still feel, anybody feel like that right now? Don't you feel like I've been hiding out long enough? Aren't you tired of hiding and running kind of the current national setting right now? Perhaps you feel this way. Perhaps you feel like the only thing you can do is hide in your situation. Maybe you're struggling financially or maybe you're feeling that way physically. Sometimes, however, you just got to suck it up and realize that the only way is forward. If you're going to be a man or a woman of God, it's time to do something for the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God and it's go time in my life. Jesus, help me preach today. You only have a sword and a buddy. Hallelujah. A sword and one person that will agree with you. Do I have anybody that agrees with me today? Anybody have a sword? Anybody got a sword? Anybody got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Do you have that? You realize, yeah, you got a sword. Go ahead, lift it up. You got a sword. You've got the Word of God. Do you have anybody that agrees with you that God's not finished with your life? He's not finished with you. Do you have anybody? Well, I agree with you. I'll be your bud. Come on, let's go and whip the enemy. Let's go and win some people for Jesus. Yeah. We're not the first people that have been in difficulty. The Apostle Paul, 1,100 years later, makes this statement in Philippians chapter 3 in a letter to the church of Philippi. And Now listen to it, and then we'll talk about the context. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. You want to read that? Come on. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, you ought to read. Come on, read out loud with me. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that. I read a prayer the other day. Anybody like to read prayers? It goes like this. Dear God, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy. I haven't been unpleasant or selfish or, over, or, or, or overindulgence. I'm so very thankful for that. But God, in just a few minutes, I'm going to have to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Am I talking to anybody online right now? Somebody say, get out of bed. I know it's wintertime, but springtime is coming. I'm getting my bicycle all oiled up. I'm ready for this thing. Anybody else? I saw my fishing holes looking, fishing, fishing poles looking a little weird sitting in the corner. I'm, I'm ready to go catch something. I'm talking spiritually right now. All right, I... I'm ready. I'm ready to do something. You, you know, springtime is so full of promise. I have so many things that I want to do, but it's still wintertime. So it's wintertime. I can't do no. No, this is a good time. It's a time for refocus. It's a time for clarity. Is anybody like me? Do you sometimes need help focusing on moving forward? Does anybody ever need focus because your mind's going 20 mile, or 100 miles an hour and certain things are going on in your life? The apostle Paul is a good person to use as context for us because you know where Paul was when he wrote these words? He was in jail. He was literally not only in jail, he was in chains. He is sitting against a wall in chains and every few hours they would come and readjust his chains. And and the Holy Spirit is speaking to him while he is in chains in prison for preaching the gospel. And sometimes I kind of feel that way. Anybody ever feel that way? Sometimes one of the things the enemy wants to do is tell the body of Christ, I got you right where I want you right now. You can't do nothing. You're afraid. Just sit there. Be quiet. Do nothing. And I, I'm telling you, I'm not really good at chains, but if I am in some chains because of laws and because of mandates, I'm going to get out a pen and paper and I'm going to write a letter And in that, I'm going to tell the church, it's not for you to sit still. I tell you, we need to press on. We need to press forward. Paul, as he's in jail, he writes a few things. He's saying, as I look back on my life, I had everything. I was born into the house of Jewish nobility. I was the prized student of my generation. I was known as the rabbi of rabbis. A Pharisee of Pharisees of the line of Benjamin. I was on top of the Jewish world. But now when I'm in chains and I look back on my life, I want to thank God. I may not like being in chains, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I may be in jail, but I'm in jail by the grace of God. Thank God for these bars. Thank God for these chains. It gives me a moment to announce to the church world that they need to press forward. God's not done with me yet. 
Listen to a portion of what he says prior to our text this morning. I'm reading out of the message translation in, verses, in verse 8. Yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Can anybody wave your hand and say, that's your story? Things that I thought were very important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, now listen, firsthand, everything I once thought I had for me is insignificant dog dung. Everybody say dog dung. Go ahead and say it. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ Christ, and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. And he goes on and, 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 and says this in verse 11. He says, I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Amen. Talk about smack talk. <laughs> go ahead, Brother Paul. Chained in a prison cell. And he contemplates life in Christ and he compares when he was walking around in royal robes, when people made a way for him and he stood before crowds. He contemplates it and, and, and he says this, everything else other than me following Christ was dog poo. Somebody need to look back for a moment and gain some perspective. Would you do that? Let me help you. Any, any, as a boy... I lived in some very rural communities. We had dogs and all kinds of animals. I have walked through in my childhood, not in a long time, but I have walked through cow pastures. Anybody ever walked through a cow pasture? Where am I? Some of the redneck folk in this house. There we are. Okay, so here's something that you look for in cow pastures, but they're easy to find. Cow patties, okay? It's about, go ahead, pastor. It's about, about that big. It's a pile because cows, they don't mess around. You can, you can miss that, all right? The big problem when you get in the house is when you walk in and somebody sniffs, sniffs, and they say, what's on your, what, did somebody step in? And they don't ask if you stepped in cow. They ask if you stepped in dog, because that stuff is kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of covert. You know, it's just kind of, you walk through it, and it's right there, and it can be anywhere. I, actually, I was in Dick's Sporting Goods stores a, a couple of days ago, because I just like to go in there and dream about my next fishing trip. And so I went in there, literally, there was dog poo right there in the aisle in the store. And you say, well, how does that happen? Because service dogs do dog poo too. You can dress them up and you can train them really nice. But when it's time for them to do their business, they will do it right in your path. So I appreciate that. Anybody know that there's like a law in Virginia Beach? I didn't know it when I first moved here, but there's this law. And you'll see people walking around in your neighborhood with little lunch bags full of dog poo. I, I see somebody saying, Pastor, get to the next point. Okay, but, and it's because there is a law that if the dog poos, you've got to pick it up and go throw it away. So I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a spiritual law right now. You need to throw away all the dog poo in your life. 
that's still causing you to smell the way that you smell, that you're carrying into your life. It's time. Come on. Sometimes we got to get over what happened. I don't know everything. There might be some forgiveness, but that's the way you throw away the mess. Forgiveness. You might need to get over some things and get through your bitterness. You might need to deal with some things, but you can't let your yesterdays, you can't let your old dead religious lifestyle and your old addictions and all the things you were enslaved to, all the hurt, all of the abuse, you can't carry that into what God wants to do. It'll cause you to be hidden away. You'll get stuck in your past. Listen, church. Listen, dad. Listen, mom. Some things you call dung, however, may not be dung. And some things you call important are, in fact, dung. Because some people think a relationship with God is dung. Some people think coming to church is dung. Some people think serving God, that's because the enemy has lied to you. Maybe you had some bad experiences. Maybe you were wounded in church. Maybe a pastor or somebody in the church mistreated you. I got news for you. Just because somebody hurt you, you should not, you should not uh, uh, leave them. You should not, uh, you should not forget that God wants you to move forward. We are a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But the lies, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the addictions, the enslavement. I think we need to move forward. I want to get on to Jonathan, but let let me be clear today. Be careful that you're not saving dung and throwing away waste. Don't throw away your family because you can't communicate. Learn how to communicate. Don't treasure those addictions. They cause you to forfeit forfeit your relationships. Don't treasure your heart wounds so much that you throw away your peace. Some people are holding on to their old wounds. Don't throw away the goodness of friendship. Come on, don't do that. Don't, don't treasure your cool reputation so much that you throw away those great relationships that you need. Don't throw away your eternal faith in Jesus because you want to fit in with a culture that is corrupted by the lies of immorality. But you know, if I believe the truth of God's word, then I'm going to be ostracized by others. No, throw away the mess. Hold on to your sword. Hold on to the word of God. Amen. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Paul says, everything I once had going for my reputation. Everything. You know, your bad attitude, your style. I threw it all away. He's talking about his past. How many remember a time when you lived your life in bondage? Anybody remember when you were in bondage? You know, just know a real loser and and losing in the fast lane. Losing faster and faster. Your life falling apart. And then you came to Christ. Somebody thank God for giving your life to Jesus. You know, it's one thing to be delivered from a life full of dog poo. But it's a whole new level of stupid to return to that dog mess that you were delivered from. To go back into the trash can to find it again. Today's message is dealing with this particular syndrome. I know it's difficult, but listen, 2021, we've got to fight forward. One of America's favorite types of movies in the sp- is, is sports comeback movies. Anybody watch some of those? I love it, man. I grew up on Rocky movies. Can I get an amen from somebody? Rocky, right in the middle of the fight, you know. You know, he just has to have somebody come over and sit and talk to him and say, come on, you got this, you know, or, you know, Rudy. Anybody like Rudy? 
I love the movie Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. I just love it. It's like one of my favorite movies of all times. If you haven't seen it, you ought to go watch it sometimes. But Rudy is too small. small. He's, too, he's too tiny. And he gets, a, he gets a speech. He's ready to quit everything. Because though he has fought hard, it doesn't seem like he's getting anywhere. And a guy that is a custodian there at Notre Dame finds him, and, and, and he says, you know, and Rudy says, I'm quitting. He says, what do you mean you're quitting? Can't quit? You know what you're doing? Don't you realize who you are? You've got a chance to get this great education at Notre Dame, and, and you, Rudy, of all people, you're getting to play on one of the greatest football teams ever. You know, you're 100 pounds, nothing. You got, like, no talent at all, but look what's happening in your life, and Sometimes I hear that in my own life. And I, you know, you can hear, anybody hear the enemy sometimes whispering to you? You haven't got anything going for you. You're not educated enough, smart enough. You're, he's he, he just busy constantly invalidating you. Then I like uh, another scene from Rudy, which is actually an event where the coach says at the beginning of the game, anybody remember this? He says, you all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. The reason the coach has to do this is because we're so volatile. We're just in and out and up and down. Something happens in our life and we begin to respond negatively. A good coach knows that it's his responsibility to turn things around and to get his players to believe in themselves and encourage them to play up according to their ability. And I'm not doing that. I want you to play beyond your ability. I want you to be, receive the Holy Spirit in your life because you can't let yourself stop believing that it's possible to do that which is impossible because nothing is impossible to God. I was in the middle of preaching this and tried to reach out to a brother who was in hiding just to tell him what I'm telling you. He didn't answer his phone, but you know, maybe he's listening right now. I, I don't know. I, I know that when I, you know, some people, you know, I'll give them a call. I'll talk to them, try to encourage them and they'll just beat around the bush and won't answer the questions and I'll speak the truth to them anyway. And I want to tell you no matter what your enslavement, no matter what your difficulty is, it's not too late to have victory in your life. Humble yourself before the Lord. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus. Get your eyes off of the hurt and the failure and the struggle and the enslavement. If it's lasted 50 years, I'm telling you that this is a time to rise up. There's no way to go but forward. Nothing can stop the Lord from saving you. Nothing can stop the Lord. And that's the Bible story I shared with you this morning. Let's look at it. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5, when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. In pits and cisterns. So working on this, you can see that they hid any place that they knew they would not be found. So pits and cisterns suggest places where water might have been or place where sewage might have been. So rather than fight, they would prefer to hide 
in sewage. And then Saul's son, Jonathan, was tired of hiding, tired of playing hide and seek, and tired of living in the mess. So in, in chapter 4, one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to, uh, to, to the young man bearing his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost to the other side. But he did not tell his father. You know why he didn't tell his father? Because his leadership would have told him not to do it. Because his leadership would not have agreed with him. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost, these uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And the armor bearer said this. His buddy said this. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Anybody ever need that? Anybody just need that? You ever need that? Anybody believe that God has greater things for you to do? Is there anybody in the room that believes God has greater things for you to do? Come on, let me be your bud for a minute. Let me help you out. I know for pastors, things like pastors, I've been to a lot of communities where every pastor had an armor bearer, two or three, somebody carrying his Bible, somebody polishing his shoes. I don't need you to polish my shoes or carry my Bible. I'm good. I'm a grown man. I can carry my own stuff. I will take care of my own shoes. But listen to what I'm telling you, okay? Let me be your buddy for a minute. Let me help you with the armor of the Lord. Let me help you with the sword of the Spirit. Let me help you with your shield of faith. Let me help you. Let me be your bud for a minute. And let me tell you whatever you have in mind, whatever is in your heart to do, whatever God has been whispering to you, but you have never spoken out, whatever. And no matter how long you've been here, maybe you just got here this morning. Go ahead. Let's see what God has in your heart. I'm with you heart and soul. I'll carry your shield. I'll encourage you. I'll fight by your side. And I'm not the only one. There are other people sitting in this room and online right now that are saying, I'm with you with my heart and my soul. Let's go defeat the enemy. Let's go win the loss for Jesus. Amen. Jesus. You can read the rest of that story. I, I need to wrap this message up. So I'm just, I'm, I'm going to move forward. But the fact is, is that they climbed up and when they got to the top, as they were rising to the top, Philistines looked down over the cliff and they said this, what? Some of these Israelites are climbing out of their holes? And they started taunting them. Come on up here. Come on up. There's about a half acre of land at the top. And there were 20 men in that particular area. Verse 13 and 14 says, they got to the top and every one of them fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. They defeated all of them with one sword, with one sword. How many believe that one sword, when it's God's sword, Amen. is your advantage? Anybody believe that? Anybody ever just reach in and grab a hold of a word of God? Just one? Anybody recently just grabbed a hold of a word of God for yourself? Anybody done that? This has been a power word for me. Nothing can stop the Lord from saving you, whether by many or by few. It's a power word. So let me just give you three quick steps. How do you fight your way back? What do you do when you finally realize that the only way is forward and you can't hide any longer? First of all, start speaking possibility. Anybody ever get caught up in speaking negativity? Anybody ever done that before? Speak positivity. This young man that spoke to him and agreed to him was probably a teenager. He was his armor bearer. Just those two individuals were in, in, this, in this moment. You know, you don't have to be old to stop, start speaking wisdom. 
I mean, I know a lot of wisdom that I've heard from children. Like, never trust a dog to watch your food. When your dad is mad and asks you, don't, do you think I'm stupid? Don't answer. Children, felt tip markers are not good to use as eyeliner. Don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. Never try to baptize your cat. And remember, you can't hide broccoli in a glass of milk. I would have tried to hide it in a glass of milk. I, would have. I believe Jonathan's armor bearer, this young man, is saying in the scripture, after he hears, after he hears these words from Jonathan, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. When he hears this, he is prompted. Jonathan starts speaking. He's not quoting. This phrase wasn't even a scripture yet. It wasn't written down as the inspired word of God. But Jonathan, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with his heart turned toward God, looked at one young man who's carrying his armor as they're hiding in the bushes and says, nothing can stop the Lord. And power rose up in his armor bearer. And he said, let's go do it. I'm with you heart and soul. All of these are now our words and we're quoting them. Listen to me. All signs point to victory. Do you hear me? You can do this. We can be victorious. God can heal you. God's going to bless you. God's going to restore you. The enemy doesn't win. Anybody receiving my word right now? Is anybody with me? Is anybody with me? Somebody shout, I'm with you. I'm with you. See, the word of God says all signs point to victory, but we're going to have to trust God no matter what. Come on, listen to the meat of this statement. If God is going to save you, the odds don't matter. I know we're not the biggest church in town. I know COVID is out there. But I tell you, when, when LeJane texted me yesterday and said, Gary is off the ventilator and they moved it out of the room, I knew that the prayers that we had prayed were being answered. I knew Anybody hear that? When I got a call from Felicia, or a text from Felicia Sturgis saying this is what's happening with Bobby, that he's doing better, and not only that, but the spots are gone. Somebody praise Jesus. When I hear that sort of thing, and I see somebody else that's struggling, I want to tell you, you need to start speaking possibility. You might be at a home, and you might be sick right now. Go ahead and say it. I'm healed by the blood of Jesus, by the broken body of Christ. I I am delivered. I am well. First John 4 and 4. You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That was the mentality of Jonathan and the armor bearer. And that's got to be your mentality. Greater is he that's within me than he that is in the world. How many believe that? Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. So if you're going to move forward, you need to start speaking positively. You need to start speaking possibilities. And secondly, you got to crawl out of your hole. You got to crawl out of your hole. Jonathan, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. You got to crawl out of the hole. Say it. Crawl out of the hole.
I had my door kicked in one time on my car. Somebody didn't like me. Didn't like the way I was driving. I was in a parking lot over by Walmart. At that time, it was Kmart. And you probably heard me tell this before, but I smiled. And it got me in trouble. Because he had pulled out and almost hit me as I was turning left. And I looked at him and smiled. And he mistook my smile and pulled around and blocked my car right in front of the post office and jumped out. And I rolled my window down about that much. And I let him have his way. He just called me different things. My wife was there. And I probably, you know, I just kept smiling. And, and finally he got mad and he kicked my door. My 1983 Thunderbird. And this was like 1987. But I still remember he kicked my door. And I said to him, well, if you're done, I guess I can be on my way now. And he didn't like that. He kicked my door over again and then he left. It's a good thing I never got out of that car. <laughs> Some of you, I've always often th- said, sometimes you just need to sit quietly. And I'm not sure that that was not a good time just to be still. I mean, that guy could have been nuts and all I got was a dent in my door, not in my head. But at the same time, spiritually speaking, how many have had the enemy kicking your door in and yelling all kinds of things through your window? Anybody had that? How many? Come on, wave. And you have heard and you hear it day in and day out. You, you have some anxiety and it's just floating around. Can you listen to your pastor right now? Some of us need to get out of the car and get the devil behind us. The Bible says he's supposed to be under our feet, not on our back. So we need to go ahead. We got to stop hiding in caves because the cave is called excuses or a cave called shame or a cave called failure or a cave called fear or a cave called incapability or a cave called your past. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus because nothing can stop the Lord from saving you. You have to fight, but you can't go back. Paul couldn't go back. And thirdly, use the sword that you have. Everyone stand with me as I conclude. Yeah, just stand up. Use the sword that you have in your hand. Comeback started by an event. Super Bowl is going to be next Sunday. Some of you don't care, but it's a football game, and that's the last one. I'm going to watch it. Okay. But um, when I watch a game, especially if one team is behind, I'm looking for something to happen. A fumble recovery. An interception. Somebody to run the ball all the way back after a kickoff or a punt. I'm looking for something to kind of shift the momentum. Just a shift. But you don't even get to see the shift unless you're willing to use what you have. Anybody ever played football besides me before? High school, I was playing football, and it it happened. I can only say it really happened. I mean, these were the days before anybody knew anything about spearing, you know. I mean, I guess there was some unsportsmanlike conduct, but it didn't have to do with how or the way you hit somebody. And I, we, it was Ironman football. That meant not only did I play tailback, but I also played middle safety. And middle safety meant you did a lot of open field tackling. And by the time you did that tackle, everybody was chasing 
and it was like a pile. Anybody been on the bottom of a football pile? I have been on the bottom of those. And one of the cool things is if you're on the bottom of the football pile, they don't have any instant replay. We didn't have video, we, we, you know. So I, was, I remember distinctly one particular time. I'm on the bottom. I knocked this guy down, and everybody jumped on top. And I reached up and took that football, pulled it right out of his hands, and put it in my arm. Somebody said that was cheating. I was playing football. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus. But anyway, that was the turnaround we needed. We, they called it a fumble recovery. I just took what I believe belonged to me. You ain't listen to what I'm saying. Some of you don't know what belongs to you. You don't understand the victory already belongs to you. That you're already victorious through the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody get that? Love and joy and peace and victory already belongs to you. And the other team seems to have it. And they seem to be coming against you. If you want to see something, turn around. Take what you believe. How many believe the enemy has some things that belong to you? Anybody believe that? Your peace. Come on. Anybody believe that? And he brings fear and anxiety into your life. And he's been destroying your home and destroying your family. And I'm saying enough. I've been on the bottom of this pile long enough. I'm taking back what belongs to me. Jesus. Comeback requires you to do something out of the ordinary. A feat you haven't done before. Taking a shot like you never have. Deciding, wait a minute. I don't look in the mirror. I don't look like a leader. I don't look like a pastor. I don't... You know, when I assumed the pastor of this church, the one message that I got day after day after day after day, you can't be the pastor. You're too young. And there are so many people more qualified than you. I heard it once. I heard it over and over again. I heard that from my dad. I heard it from my father-in-law. I heard it from minister friends and others. And in retrospect, I want you to know, thank you for allowing me to pastor this church when I assumed it in 1989. Because I was too young and I was not qualified. And there were a lot of people more qualified than me. But I was willing to come out of the hole. You hear what I'm saying? I was willing to step out. And I had an armor bearer named Diana who climbed out right with me and said, go get it. And I laid my face on this altar and I cried out to God. And I said, God, how can I do this? You know, what am I going to do? And I told him, I got this talent, the other talent. And he said, son, I don't care about all your talents. I just need your heart. If you'll give me your heart, I'll lead you and you can do things for me. And I'm saying that to you. I'm not buttering myself up. I'm telling you, you might say, I'm too young. I'm looking for some teenagers to show up tonight around six o'clock because they want to do something for the kingdom of God. That's when I started teaching class. That's when I won my first people to the Lord Jesus. I'm asking for some folk that think you got too bad of a reputation to do anything for the kingdom. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you. Come out of the hole. Nothing will stop the Lord from saving you. Praise God. Let's receive communion together. I've given you the word. So anybody receive the words? Shout amen. amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. We're in communion with the Lord. Take the bread, which is the body of Christ. This means you are not alone. You receive him. We bless this bread, the body of our Lord Jesus. Receive it. Now take the cup, the blood of our Lord Jesus. 
poured out for you. Your sins are forgiven. You are the body of Christ. You are children of the Most High God. His blood flows through you. Receive the cup. And we praise you, Lord Jesus, for our precious communion with you. We receive it. And we give you thanks for we are your children. In Jesus' name, amen. I want my altar workers to come and stand here. For those of you who need prayer or would like prayer, maybe you're saying, Pastor Rick, I'm struggling coming out of the hole. Somebody is here to pray for you. Pastor Rick, I'm living in fear. There's struggle physically, emotionally, whatever that's going on in your life. I would love to pray for you. And these people, their hearts are prepared to minister to you. Just wear your mask as you come forward, not your spiritual one. Take the spiritual one off. But, but, but wear your cloth mask as you come forward. Look to me. May the Lord bless you all. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord give you peace. Blessings to you all. You may be dismissed as you choose. Come and for prayer. If you need to give your life to Jesus, today is that day. God bless you all.